go. Hello, everybody. Good evening, and welcome to episode seven of Shoes Off for the Blue and Green, a York United supporters chat. Welcome, welcome. I am York supporters, and I'm joined today with Namu. Hey, guys. Hey, Namu. And freshly from the field level of the KPL final, and also, I'm sure, the uh, the booth up top as well, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Hi, how's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. I'm uh, very, very happy with uh, how the last episode went. I couldn't make episode six, but you two, especially Thomas, did a wonderful job. I'm back for hopefully what is a as good episode as we had last time. Um, on this episode, this is the end of year recap. It's spooky season, season recap. We'll take you through the topics right now. We're going to, first of all, this is a little bit of a, a hint that we're, you know, we're going to get this at the very, very end. We have some potential ownership rumors. That is going to be our last topic, but I did want to bring it up first because that is very exciting. But on the season recap end of things, we're going to do quite literally a season review of York United's 2023. Uh, we're going to look at maybe what we can improve on next season. What do we need to do to go from a mid-table team to up there at that one-two spot if the playoffs stay as they are now? Because it seems like that made a big difference. Uh, what can we... Um, Sorry, yeah, so that, we'll look at what we can improve on next season. We'll look at which players do we want to see back. I got a few contracts in front of me, not literally, contracts on uh, the kinplcontracts.wordpress.com site. Thank you to, I think it's a Halifax fan that runs that, where we can have a look at contracts, up, updates it a couple times per year. We're going to look at what players do we want to see back that are both under contract or ones that we might need to sign we're gonna uh talk about our best moments and this is when we're gonna hopefully get some crowd participation and look at our favorite players of 2023 and the favorite moments of 2023 and a little hint at the team of the year uh fan selections that are going to be coming up um and as well then we're going to end it off kind of looking league-wide in a run-through of the canadian premier league playoffs and finals and then like I said at the beginning, we'll finish off with the owners. So we're going to start off right away with a thank you to all of our listeners, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're listening live on Twitter Spaces. And our first topic of the day is the season review of York United's 2023. So statistically, our best season in terms of points, um, now the season a little bit longer than the first two years, I think uh, actually 2020. Two probably was the only season that actually matched this one in terms of length because of the, uh, I'm, I think 2021 was the same season length, but they just match us up against different teams or, or the, uh, the kickoff tournament is where we played a lot of the Western coast teams. And then we played a lot more games in 2020 there 2020. That's a very, very short season. And then um, back in 2019, there weren't as many teams as there are now. So, Take it with a grain of salt, but it was our best overall season. We did get um, two wins to end our season to end October. Overall, if you look throughout all of our months, and I noticed this running the player of the month polls, we didn't really have any outstanding months. We were pretty much average every single month. The first two months, uh, April and May, April was two wins, two losses. May was 
three wins, three losses. So dead even as it gets. June, we had, we went, uh, so going wins, draws, losses, the real way. Sorry, I can't go wins, loss, draws. It, it confuses me too much. So going wins, draws, losses. June, we went one, two, and two. July, two, one, and two. August, one, two, and one. So very, very even months. Unfortunately, September, we were one win and three losses. And then we had a little bit better October going two and own the season with our playoff loss. Um, looking at goals, um, if we go back to April, I, if, I remember it was a struggle to score at the beginning of the season. Um, we didn't get any goals against Valor. We struggled to score as well against a Vancouver. We did good against them in the Can Champ, I believe with uh, Babuli getting the goal at home. I think that was a penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then the 2-1 loss to Vancouver FC was uh, Marky Wojciechowski getting our first goal of the year. Babuli getting two goals that month. May, um, again, we went 3-0-3, oh, but we had goal scorers that, that month. We had Baia, Dos Santos, Ricci, Baldissimo, Alou get a goal each, and Brem get two goals with our last goal of the month being that goal by Brem at Tim Horns Field. Um, then flash forward to June. Um, this will be awkward considering the uh, Pride Razor stuff. Mo Babuli being our top goal scorer of June with three goals, uh, outscoring the rest of the team combined. Uh, DeSantos and DeRosario uh, getting one goal each. Then in July, Dero got two goals. So, sorry, and that June goal was DeRosario's first. Uh, Dero got two more goals in July. Ricci and Alou scored as well. August, we had Brian Wright getting on the scoreboard with two. Then Dos Santos really getting scoring. He had two as well. Babuli had two. Uh, Baia and Ricci also scored that month of August. And then September, we had only four goals. That was the month we went one win and three losses, where we lost those three um, games uh, straight at home. And... Um, that one was um, Ricci, uh, Roger, Thompson, Dos Santos, and Di Rosario each getting one goal. In October, uh, Dos Santos got the uh, goal that pretty much pushed us ahead of Ottawa for good um, at home in front of the fans. What a goal that was. Uh, when we get into favorite moments of the season, I'm sure that will be a big winner. And then Di Rosario getting a brace against Vancouver. So that's a lot of stuff all to say that None of those months really stood out, or did they? So I'm not sure if I got to any conclusions with that. Namu or Thomas, how was our season? Was it, was it as average as the sum of the parts and where we ended up at fifth place? Personally, I don't think it was as average as it might present itself because I think month by month, might not really do it justice, but we did have a a five-game unbeaten streak uh, at one point in the year. I think it was from, like, late May to early June, and, you know, that was pretty special. Um, then the end of the year, we obviously win two memorable games in a row. Three games before that, we came back twice in a row, but it was in different months, so it maybe just didn't uh, show up the best. If you're if you're going month by month, but most points, most wins in club history, I think there are little things that you look back on and think if only York had done 
that. For example, you know, they they blew a two-goal lead in Ottawa. They blew a one-goal lead in Hamilton, and maybe that wasn't really their fault because there was a, a wrongful handball decision. Um, and maybe you have six more points. Uh, maybe a batnay doesn't get sent off against Valor, and you tie that game. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ifs, but you know, so is football. Um, it's just like that sometimes. But uh, I think also the league, Wintel really got a step step up because uh, York was had the best season in club history, finished fifth, and were like only snuck into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. Um, whereas in 2021, when they finished fourth. They had a much worse record, so the league got a lot better this year. Um, and I think York would just only a few things need. To, if only a few things are fine tuned, they could be, you know, even higher up the table next year. That's a, yeah. That's that's so wild about like you said, twenty twenty one, where he uh, finished uh, fourth. Um, because I remember going to Forge. <laughs> Um, and that was before it was even a two-legged playoff, and it was just, uh, like, that one was really sneaking in, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Halifax, Halifax and Valor, I think it was, both had two opportunities to win and pass us, but didn't, and we also weren't winning to secure our spot, so, um, I'm just gonna quickly bring that up. So we finished on 36 points a negative goal difference going eight wins and eight losses uh, in that, that 2021 year. And um, yeah, it was a, kind of want to say a close playoff game because it was one, one for a lot of that playoff game. But then um, unfortunately forge forge did what forge doesn't in the playoffs. But when I went back to Tim Horns field the next week, Pacific, did win after all um, versus this year. Um, so that was 36 points. I said, yeah, this year we got 38 and we did get like 11 wins, which is very impressive. Our goal difference was worse getting minus nine. And we were the only negative goal difference team uh, in the playoffs. But again, it is, it is improvements. Um, and speaking of improvements, that goes so nicely into our next topic is where do you want to see the team improve? Uh, and, and sorry, Namu, um, you can also, uh, uh, with, with your response, you can also give the, your thoughts on the, the past season and also where we can improve. But I think one, one place that I think is just so obvious that I want to get it out of the way is our striking uh, truly must improve. We went from a six... Uh, sorry, a uh, 12 goal, I think, finish for D Reserve last year to a six goal finish uh, this year where uh, D Rosario, Mo Babuli, Kevin uh, DeSantos all tied with six goals apiece. Um, what's really funny is if you know the history of York, that exact same thing has happened before. Three way tie for our goal scoring lead happened in. I want to say it could have even been maybe our first season or someone can fact check me on that. But I think it was like Gattas and someone or, sorry, sorry. I think it was 2021. I think it was Abzi right. And someone tied 
Now okay, gotcha. Now gotcha. that I put the brain cells a little bit together, there I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself a little bit. But where we can uh, improve, and I think our final striker tally was, if I'm not mistaken, six for Dero, and I think Brian Wright finished with four, or did he only stay at two? No, I think he only stayed at two. So sorry. D- this season, Dero had six. This season. Vero had six, but Brian Wright, I think, finished at two. I, I yeah, first had four, but two, but had also like three assists. Six. So I don't yeah. really know much to make of that, but that was interesting. He was very good, and Namu did convince me of this after I was, you know, Brian Wright hater number. I'm not going to say number one, definitely number two. Um, <laughs> um, just kidding, Brian Wright. Just like I have a <laughs> couple people in mind who I think year. hate him more than you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm not even on the podium. But uh, Austin Ricci also could be considered a striker for the positions he filled in. Like, I'm sorry, for the times he had to fill in So let, uh, when Dero was suspended. So let's say, again, we've probably still got 10 striker, goal, maybe, that striker goals, maybe. All these goals from the, the wings in the midfield is really what uh, where we could put them in. So that's where I'm going to say with improvement. You know, if we definitely, if we go with Dero and Wright again, I'd hope maybe they have to have a bounce back here i don't know if they try to bring some win you know they want to try to do something but i've been talking enough name i'll let you talk about the 2023 season and or uh what you're thinking what you could do in the off season to improve okay uh i'll try to answer your two questions uh back to back uh uh briefly but uh, i thought that was a really interesting uh fact that you uh, mentioned about um 2021 having like uh three of our guys being the top scorer for us uh, all at the same time because i thought you're gonna say it was 2019 when it was gonna be like uh katas uh ajay and uh, ryan telfer you know like i thought like all three of those guys scored like eight nine goals each or something like that and so they're like very kind of like neck and neck together so that's what i thought you're gonna refer to but um uh, obviously we didn't have any sort of a competition this year at all for goal scoring and you know like we all came into this year expecting it to be the uh, Babuli and Dero show, just like it was for the second half of 2022, right? We expected that to continue, but it didn't. And, you know, we know on the field, we could see Dero definitely didn't look as sharp as he did last year. Obviously, his play didn't, you know, his uh, his goal-scoring tally uh, didn't match up last year too, right? But uh, the amount of times that he started on the bench... Uh, and the you know like the the kind of like mini rumors that we would hear about why Dero is starting on the bench, you have to wonder what was going on off the pitch, you know this this whole like THC suspension. But I'm sure there's stuff beyond that too, right? You know we we know these guys party, we know these guys are like you know in their early twenties and they do whatever, right? I'm really curious to see like know what happened with Dero this whole year that led him to playing so few minutes compared to last year. That I think that's like the probably the single biggest question that this club has to answer off-season for just, like, personnel-wise. Like, you know, what are you going to do with Dero? How do you get him back to 2022 when he was literally the second-best striker in the league, if not the best, right? We know how much potential this guy has. We expected him to, like, you know, go to greater heights this season and move on to Europe or MLS or something like that. Instead, we're not. We're now talking about him as, like, we're not sure what's going to happen with him, right? So this is, like, yeah, a massive... that's crazy. He it's was, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, right? <laughs> So we right yeah go ahead. We would have thought he would have been challenged. That's a great point. We're like, oh, he's so close. He just had that 
that bad offside call where like he he was good. He would have tied uh, Diaz, and it should have been good. And then just that close, and even with the suspension, it just seemed he like kind of did this last year too, where he really goes in spurts. As in, he gets hot. Like he'll score a goal, like sorry, like a goal each game, or even two or three uh like goals in a stretch of two games kind of thing when he gets hot and he gets going and then like the op the opposite is when he he doesn't last season he scored right away against Edmonton and they kind of kept it going versus this year was June he got his first goal and we were all not really feeling that too much but my Brian Wright compliment I didn't even get it out last time his name who did convince me that he was because I started watching him hold up stuff and do these little layoff passes that are really good that have resulted in our wingers and midfield scoring. So, you know, I was a bit of a hater until I kind of more embraced that different striker role a little bit more and do appreciate it more and think there is a space for that. And I actually thought it's tough to do this, but when you get Dero and right in together, I think they actually played pretty well. Uh, as a combo when needed. So I think that, like, even Brian Wright, I think he's, like, he's a dog. Like, he's a big guy that I think if he even went more after guys, like, he kind of does, but, like, if he did that, like, I think he could, like, uh, any of us TFC guys that have seen Josie Altidore, like, he was absolutely one of my favorite players because he could just absolutely push off guys and get to type spaces. And Bright. Uh, Brian Wright does seem to do that sometimes, but if he can do that all the time and consistently, that'd be great to see if yeah. that if if we roll with those guys again this year. You know, like he can do that hold up play. He just could not finish at all. He was like the worst finisher in the league by far. <laughs> yeah, with yep. like, all the metrics, right? Yeah, so big chances to, missed. So to answer your question, basically the uh, whole point is to <laughs> I'm getting stretched by my wife. <laughs> the uh, whole point of the off season is to see, yeah, like you said, what are you going to do with Adiro? What are you going to do with right? And that depends on the whoever the manager is mm-hmm. for next season. Because we don't know who the manager is going to be for 2024 either. Because uh, Martin Nash's uh, contract is up. His two-year That's contract right. is up, right? So yep. obviously, you know, off the field, it's all about the new ownership, all that, right? But on the pitch, the biggest question is what's, to do, what's going to happen with uh, uh, Nash? What's going to happen with Angus? And then after, then we can start answering those questions of which new strikers are going to come in, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, right. Uh, and to answer your first question, you know, this year was at least a lot more consistent than last year. Last year was horrible. Last year, like we were like the worst team in the league for like the first two, three, four months. Then we became like the best team in the league for like the last two, three months. <laughs> it was chaotic as hell. So I'm glad that it was a bit more consistent this year. Yeah. Um, did we finish fifth last year too? I forget. Um, I think they we did because I think the joke was that like we finished just outside the playoffs, so they extended the playoffs just so for us. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah, um, and we did I, get it just this year, right? So yeah. yeah. No, I got in front of me. We actually finished sixth last year because Valor uh, were ahead of us at fifth. Um. So that so last year's top four: Ottawa forty nine points, Forge and Cavs forty seven, Pacific forty six. The gap was then nine points to Valor, and then uh, we were 12 points out of the playoffs. So I didn't even really think about that, but we were we were shit last year. Damn. And, and looking at the 2022 team of the year, it's, like, full of all-stars. It's like, I was, I was even talking to um, a couple people. Uh, shout out Matthew, who was like, look at how good this team last year was for the team of the year. 
Um, and I was like, yeah, Jesus, it was pretty stellar. And I did find the actual answer. 2021 was the three-way tie. It was Abzi, Lowell Ray, and it was uh, Rivera. I really liked that. I think it was Alberto Rivera. I think he was a player I really liked. He kind of never really did too much with the ball, but he could have a, a vicious strike kind of thing. Like, he didn't really – I don't know if he got any assists or that kind of stuff, but he, he could really strike it there too. In tw- and Sorry, in 2019, Gattas was by himself uh, top. Telfer was right behind him uh, for goals. I think he, he was one back. Um, but yeah, Gattas was definitely the the goal scorer, and uh, I had also uh, <laughs> shout out Ricardo, a Cavs fan, who uh, when we did our uh, all time uh, f- like five year York Nine slash York United team, he said, "How do you how do you not have your best scorer of all time?" And he meant Gattas uh, at striker, and he had he was just one goal back, um, really, of, of Dero's record. He had eleven total. Considering the Canadian Championship, I don't know if that really counts because Dero had twelve in the season. So, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, I, um, sorry. Uh, do either of you have any uh, more thoughts, or, or Thomas, do you have any thoughts on just kind of maybe what you want to see improve on next season? Um, and then we'll get, we'll get to specific players, uh, just after that, or if you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you say, with strikers, you know, we've learned Sean Hundahl's on the market. Um, would like him hometown. I think there's a very good possibility that he's going to be, um, he's explored the CPL. I think he's probably going to MLS next pro. I can see that. That's kind of the gist I've got, but keep in mind that. Dero and Wright are both under contract through 2024. So yep. it's very difficult to get out of this. So obviously Ricci can play as a nine, and I love seeing Ricci as a nine. I think we need someone who can play uh, in Mo's position more consistently. I really like what I saw from Usama Alou. Um this season he he left a bit earlier but I think the thing with Mo is like it's such a young league and he is getting well into his his 30s now and I think we saw this season people are starting to figure him out people are starting to catch up to the incredible talent that he does have um I think it's just maybe to a lesser degree this season than it was last year and in 2021 um so I think I'd like to see someone be able to fill the hole at the cam position. I like how Daniel Lapare was able to to kind of play off Papuli um, and be a, a really good partner um, in attacking midfield. But Mo, I think especially he's such a wild card sometimes because he's such he's so prone to be to being getting set sent off, um, which obviously is something that you wouldn't want. But you know, here we are. Uh, I think also for center backs as well, that would not be a bad thing. Um, I I feel like Roger Thompson only has so many minutes left, if any, really, because I believe he's on a one-year deal again this year. Um, I can just check the CPL contracts, but Taz, Taz is an amazing player. Um, but we saw at the start of the year, when Taz and Raj got hurt, we had to play 
Johnny Grant and um, Brem as center backs, and it just it it didn't really work. Uh, and I I don't think I was a big fan of that. But um, going to next year though, um, if you're looking at the the CanPL contract site, there's a lot of club options, and based on what I've heard, the uh, interviews with the players uh, did go very well. I think a lot of these players really liked A, the being here in Toronto, and B, the group. And I think a lot of them were committed to kind of trying to run it back and going a step further. Uh, so I believe that there have been a few club options triggered and already a few two-year deals. But for a guy like... Ooh. Marky, who is on a U21 contract going to next year, we will probably get to see him play a lot more because he won't be injured. Oh, that's that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, see, that's why we love having Thomas on because he brings up the good news rather than me, Mr. Pessimist over here. Um, we do have a ton of club options, so I'm gonna uh, again rant on for a little while here. Buckle up. Um, I'm gonna try not to bore everyone, but I'm gonna. Just go through who's locked up. Kind of give us... I'll, I'll go through, like, position, position, and just think who's locked up, and then, then we'll look at the club option players, but also who's kind of out of contract as well. So, um, on the attacking side, as mentioned, Brian Wright and Osazi Di Rosario, Moba Bully, Baia, and I'm seeing who else is really an attacker. Yeah, those guys are all locked up next year oh sorry and uh theo afwork who we did not see uh this year uh he actually played um for alliance using that league one ontario loan rule um so on attack we have quite a few guys that are already locked up then in midfield we have uh elijah adekubi uh jeremy gagnon lapere uh, as um Thomas said Marky is also uh, signed and also going to be U21. Um, and then as a midfielder slash winger, we have Max Ferrari is also locked up as well. So that gives us one. Uh, so including uh, Afwork, who we didn't see, but he'll be included there. So that is um, eight, nine, like that are already signed and locked up. Club, uh, or sorry, I'm going to now skip actually all the way to players who have expiring contracts. So we have to hope that these are some of the two-year contracts or they want to stick around. One of them, I know it's a big star, uh, fan favorite, Kevin Dos Santos, who is one of our international uh, signings. This is his last year uh, that just passed, so he would need to be re-signed. Uh, Michael Petrasso, that's an interesting one because he's been signed a few times. He's playing in the the National League South, I believe, right now. For... His his goal was always to be in England yeah. long term. Yeah. Um, it... He's got, I think he's got that now. Yeah, so hopefully, I think Maidstone, I believe. Yeah, Oops, sorry. I'll drop my mic. Uh, Maidstone, hopefully, uh, you don't want to stick with him because he had a great stint for Barnett and he just seems to love the National League. Um, another fan favorite, another player that you mentioned earlier, Tasmortakutis, international contract as well. 
he uh, he's enjoying his time in Sydney, Australia, where it's summer again, and I'm jealous. Um, he unfortunately uh, contract is up, so he'd need to be fully resigned, and and who knows? Like I'd like to see him back, but international uh, players, you never know where like they their journey will take them to next. But not saying they won't resign. Uh, here and just a couple domestic ones that are again fan favorites jonathan grant uh someone that i thought was really quite good his contract is up and nico giantsopolis his contract is up in 2023 so that will be one and he's you know he's done a lot of posts that are kind of like you know thank you fans and stuff and we're like what's going on nico um and then Here's the club options real quick, and then we'll, we'll all talk about what we can do with the options and the, and the players that haven't been signed. All right, first one I see is Ronan Kratt. That's an interesting one because I think he's permanently transferred and the site's not updated. Next one is Austin Ricci. Uh, we have also Matthew Baldissimo, Noah Abatne, Paris G, Brem Samaro, Roger Thompson, and Elias Himmerez. So the interesting thing is, what will we do at goalie with Nico's contract up and Himmeras having a club option? You know, will Angus, whoever's in charge, want a U21 goalie like Himmeras? Um Thompson, always divisive. I know a lot of people maybe like him as a leader, but as much on the team. Brem, that's going to be an option we hope the club takes for sure. Um, same with Paris G. Um and then we got, you know, Baldissimo, Richie. You know, what do we think about these club option players? I will turn it over to you. And I know Nick has been with his hand up. Nick, whether or not you want to talk about that, I'll let you talk about whether it's a season recap or you want to see next year or those players. I'll hand the floor to our friend, Nick. <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. Nice to, nice to hear you. Thanks for What's up, Nick? chatting. So I just wanted to say for like hopes for next year, uh, not to bring a different podcast into the mix, but I like to listen to the Northern football guys and they had a good point. If you look at most of the top teams that were, that made the playoffs and did good this year, all of them had a clear definitive back line. The center backs were short up and then you look at us and we weren't. <laughs> So I think yep. <laughs> I think for next year, I'd like to see, you know, maybe Tass come back. You know, if Roger's going to be the culture guy, you know, he can live on the bench. I'm fine with that. A bat and a look good and maybe just try and get, you know, someone else to pair with Tass because I think you got to shore up the defense first and the, the league this year proved that, I think. That's, that's such a good point. So, like, running uh, – I'll kind of run through it in my head. Like, yeah, Calgary uh, – Calgary, sorry, defense was, like – they had the player of the year and defender of the year, Dan Klomp, um, on the back line. And they had um, – <laughs> I think who else made up their, like, consistent back line. I know Camden was there a lot. They had a <laughs> former MLS guy, the Montgomery guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cal Montgomery would play a lot there. Calvary would sometimes play like a three back and do interesting things. And they, they like, yeah, they were always solid at the back. Uh, Pacific is what came to mind as soon as you said that. They got uh, Miller, Miller, uh, Jaguar, and Didich. Sorry, something just fell. Uh, yeah, between Amir Didich and uh, Miller, Jaguar, they probably had one of the top back lines. And both those guys could really score as well. Um, you know, Forge is always like between if they're putting Angelotti Johnson back there, 
they subbed in Dom Samuel halfway through, uh, Rama, like their back line. Like just looking at both the center backs and the back four between all of them. And then Halifax, they had a surprise third place finish. They also had a surprise player that his first year in the league, Dan Nimick, absolutely killed it um, as as uh, their center back on on Halifax. So they each had like a like top of the league. Oh, sorry, I I totally you know no disrespect. I did forget one of Forges. He was uh, defender of the year nominee. Uh, Mandricard James, who when we realized Forge was signing them, we were like, oh crap. I was even talking in the group chat today. I'm like, you know. You know that Forge one of these years, they're going to start getting guys like Arfield or Hoylet or, you know, that Forge is going to want to be going for these Canada national team uh, former players and stuff. So um, that's a great point, Nick. And then, like, I think we didn't really achieve that throughout the year. It was just really a, a rotating defense like crazy. Not Not that our... You know, our guys put in a good effort when they were back there for sure. But it was almost a different group every time and I'm going to say as the keeper you know one week you're working with Grant and Abatine and then the next week you're working with Tass and Roger Thompson and then the next week you're working with uh you know Parrish G and Tass and then the next week you got you know two totally different guys and stuff so that it, it's uh not what we saw in those those teams that make the made the playoffs and keep making the playoffs uh Namu just to uh feed off that topic uh, that uh, you guys are talking about for the, uh, the, the the back line, right? I think a really uh, interesting um, thing that came to my mind is um, the fact that the, we, when we started the season, we started the season with guys that Angus and Martin wanted to play at CBs, but couldn't play CB very well. And that's the reason why we had so much instability in the two center backs that we wanted to start, especially the guy to partner up Tass. The reason I say that is because if you guys remember at the beginning of the season, we had Brem Sumaro, and we also had Jonathan Grant playing CB to start the season. And, <laughs> yeah, that's, and if, I'm looking back, they were They were, right? And all four of the first games. That and I we struggled. Forgot. We struggled to start the season. And the back line was a big reason why. And if you think about it now, now it's November, right? And you look back at the season, we gave Brem the player of the year for his play at CDM. If he was playing CB for us all season, we were going to probably say, get him out of here because we thought he was terrible at CB for that first month. And Jonathan Grant gave up that own goal to start the season as well. And we said eventually, yeah, he's much better at right back, putting in the crosses, putting in the dribbles and all that. So we had two guys that were slated to compete next to Tass who both couldn't cut it at CB. And for that, I'd probably put a little of the blame on Angus for that. For buying, for getting the guys that he thought could put at CB and neither of them could do it. So in the end, we were stuck with Tass and Roger. And we all know that we said this 12 months ago. We said Roger can't be starting for us, for us at CB for us to have a, be, become a playoff team. You know what I mean? So, you know, like Roger did do his part in the middle of the season. But uh, in the end, I thought Abatne and Tass were our strongest CBs. And then Paris had a long stint at CBS for us as well too, right? And that was kind of like, um, he was like a pretty good um, filler, but he was a bit short. He wasn't going to win all the headers. And it was kind of like also negating his uh, offensive abilities. So I completely agree with what Nick said. 
that uh, we didn't really have a, a solid CB pairing because all the guys that we bought couldn't cut it. Yeah. Well, I honestly, I, I think Abatne, you know, we've, you've gotten to get another center back. I personally, I think the club and player like Roger Thompson, I think it's about time to move on um, because I, I feel like, you know, a guy, a guy like Abatne offers a lot of versatility. Taz is obviously a great defender to have. Um defending like corners with his height and everything. I think you need a new center back, but really it's, it's about their practice center. Ontario soccer center is not up to par and the new owners, and we'll talk about them soon, but I just, I have to bring up now one of their priorities has to be to get the club a much better training facility because Ontario soccer center is not going to cut it. Taz was injured at the start of the year. Uh, so was Raj and Abatne hadn't even, hadn't even been brought in at that point. So, you know, we had to rely on Bram, had to rely on Grant. Um, and we're lucky we had the fullback depth that we did because if we didn't have, if we only had one of Max or Paris, then we're starting guys out of position fullback too. So really, I think just the problem is the uh, the, the turf at Ontario Sarver Center. Um, it's crazy that you can blame like a ton of injuries on on one thing, but I Talking to Nashi this season, I think that it's it's a genuine problem that they have that needs to be solved quickly because the players don't like it, the coaches don't like it. Um, something needs to to change there for sure. So I don't, a, I, don't, I don't think it's bad recruiting, but I think it's more that. That's a really fascinating point, man. Because uh, nobody has ever mentioned that ever. Like in the five years we've been covering York United, the the turf at OFC contributing to the uh, injuries to start the season. That's a really fascinating point because, um, you know, they're tr- like the preseason training is like when like it's like freezing here in Toronto, right? It's like March, uh, February and March, and that's like still like freezing like winter temperatures, right? So it has to be indoors, obviously. Um, if you can't, wh- why can't they just replace the turf at OSC? Uh, and uh, you know, I don't know uh, what the finances for replacing a turf at OSC would, would be like. I don't know if OSA uh, and uh, York can share that. I have no idea, but wouldn't that be a lot cheaper than? building or finding a new facility to train at for indoors during that time? What do you think? I mean, this is, this is the question, but I feel like you've just got to personally, I feel like it's as simple as extending the partnership with the university and using the dome because they dome YLS. Personally, I I feel like that's a a pretty simple solution. Um, And then during the summer months, you've got this sprawling layout at, Downsview, which I believe is better than OSC, I'm not sure, but I feel like if you're if you're looking around for options, there are probably more than one might think. Uh, I think using the dome at Wireless would be huge uh, because that will get you set up for the start of the season much better. We've seen throughout the history of York, kind of slow, especially in 2023, slow starts to the season may have, you know, really affected how their their playoff position. I think you start the year well. And this season, first three matches of the season were all at YLS, and they only came away with one win, and that was in the Cup. So it was a slow start in the league. Um, and I feel like that's got to change. So starting to get accustomed to the York Line Stadium turf a lot earlier under the Dome, personally, I think it would be beneficial. That would be the way I would solve it. Hey, it seems like such an obvious solution. Why didn't they just do it to begin with? <laughs> For real. 
Oh well, we're gonna have to yeah. we're have to bring a, a new owners Q and A and pepper them with all these questions about what to do. No, I mean like no, what you said makes perfect sense. Why like uh, York United paid for some of that or something like that or like anyways, we're using the ground like for eight months of the year, right? So I get that yeah. you know, they have like rec leagues, maybe intramural leagues, uh, whatever leagues going on. I, I guess so. And I've seen like a uh, my footy sevens league uh, offering um, soccer over the winter at the dome at the York University, but. Like, why can't the York United get like uh, two hours in the morning? Because they don't they train like early in the morning anyway. Yeah, but yeah, it so should tell you something about the state of soccer in this country that like you know beer leagues get priority over professional teams if the pro teams can't pay up. But it'd be different hours because you know beer leagues are playing at eight p.m. The York United guys can play like at ten a.m. Yeah, I I assume the university is something like they like there's something going on there. I'm I'm not sure. I know even like League One uses that for like reserves tryouts in like the spring or something so i like it it is available to to these these leagues and teams i think so personally that's what i would like to see from the new owners i a a permanent training facility that's also why woodbine would be so good because there's a training facility included in that deal what i like is uh, how thomas keeps giving us all these like little intels like you know little angles that we never thought about because he, he talks to like the you know the the Steve, uh, Martin and he talks like the players and stuff like that like how the player interviews happen and all that you know what I mean I love it man <laughs> yeah it's the insight you only get on shoes off for the blue and green thank you for <laughs> that reminder of our defense being Grant and Sumaro because I forgot that was the thing we had a uh, we had quite I remember we were like yeah we have really good winger depth on. Uh, like on attack, and we got really good fullback depth on defense. As we were like, hey, we'll put like I guess that's where Ferrari is now. Um, we had a throwback name to to April, May, and part of June. Uh, Faye, we had him for a while at, at left back. He started off as like the the I think a, a very disliked player because I think he had an absolute stinker. But then he had a he kind of got more consistent, but. Um, then kind of just took off, so I think we saw a bit more of uh, the left back position. So that that was actually the first one that we did for uh, team of the year because there wasn't much competition there because it's pretty much either Paris G or Max Ferrari, and mostly Paris G. Paris G actually his position, um, as far as I can tell, this is I think going off transfer market. He played. Nine games left back, nine games center back, and nine games at right back. So the thing is, he's gonna be dominated for like every position. He's gonna yeah. get in somehow. We just yeah. don't know where. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I got a quick question for you guys. Yeah, of course. Is uh, you know, like. My question to you guys is, you know, obviously we can go position by position on the, you know, options, contracts and all that, right? But for me, I feel like you can't even really get into that topic until no. we talk about <laughs> Nash first. Like, I want to ask all you guys, what do you guys think about Nash being back for next year or not for next year? That's the question I have for you guys because I feel like that dictates almost everything else about, you know, who comes back, etc. You know what I mean? So that's my question. 
Yeah, I mean, per- personally, I, I I think they've hit something like a really good thing with this group. I think it started, they started to really hit their stride at the end of the year. You know, York lost, barely lost in the playoffs, right? Uh, it, it was so close, but I think, um, you know, again, it's, it's injuries which are kind of out of his control, but it's it's all about kind of maintaining the same group. Is if you look at like Forge, so much has not changed since 2019, and you know it they it didn't build Rome in a day. So personally, I feel like Nashi having started in 2022, 2022 to 2023 was very interesting because I don't know if you remember, but I believe 14 players departed uh, in from 22 to 23. And then within 2023, there was Alu, and there was Fai, um, and I, you know, they they signed Afwork, never really got him. So I think that kind of 2022 can be a, a bit of a write-off. 2023, they made massive strides, and I feel like if they just if this group just continues to to get to know Nash and continue to play under Martin Nash. Then I think they can really come together well. But his his four two three one system it really works. And one thing that's great about Nashi as well is how he puts a lot of time with Amaro into finding depth because they know they have problems with injuries. So this season they've you know over the course of Nashi's career at York he's changed Max into a fullback, uh, Gagnon Lapare from kind of demid to being. Uh, much more like has to have offensive tendencies. Um, there's a couple other not off the top of my head necessarily, but I I think you know Brian Wright getting a, a lot of assists now, um, and I just think if they continue with the system, uh, they can solve a lot of problems. But I think it's going well. I think Morrow as well. There's a lot of a lot of great uh, insight into the club, but. Um, yeah, I I think you keep the ball rolling with Nash and Angus. Um, it's a project, and I think seeing how much turnover they had from last season, this season, this year, again, I I got sense a lot of players really liked it here, and they loved the group, which is why, even though Kevin DeSantis had an insane year, and probably teams in Europe are at least taking a look at him, I feel as though it's it's actually not the most likely that he. He leaves because I, I think he he really does love it here, and the same for Brem. He he loves here. Uh, he opted out of a uh, Li- Liberia call up to play the playoffs for us. I think he really did like this club. So you know, it's things like that where I feel like twenty twenty three was year they they started they built the culture, and it's uh, it's paying it forward. Nick, you had your hand up, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, I agree with uh, – I just wanted to say I agree with what Thomas was saying, that you kind of – like, yeah, we all have our – certain people have our feelings towards him. Like, I have certain feelings that the, the only time he really walked over and talked to us post-game was when they got crushed and he came over to apologize because I viewed that as him trying to save his job in our eyes. Like, the fact that he never came over and – you know, wave to us or even anything all year. But I agree with what he's saying, though, is that 
you kind of have to give him his fair shot because, you know, to lose that many players, like you're basically doing a whole new team. So I feel like we got to stick with what we got and just maybe try and improve on certain players here or there. Like if we can find a Babuli like player, I'd like to see a Babuli gone. I don't want those cards anymore. I don't want his attitude on the field, but I think, I think Nash does need to stay for at least another season and see what we can work with, with that. One, one thing I wonder is if we're going to have any transfers out kind of in a positive, you know, fashion, like people move, like we had as a tour at the end of last off season, we had uh, Isaiah Johnson and Chris Ensa moved to Huntsville of uh, MLS next pro. Um, like uh, Namu and I were talking earlier about thinking that would be D would be taking that step this year, but like I think he might be sticking around, might be best for him, like to, to kind of keep improving. But uh, yeah, um, it, uh, go ahead, uh, MLS our writer. <laughs> yeah, hi, how you doing, guys? Good. Welcome to Shoes Off for the Blue and Green. Thank you. Welcome for Welcome back. I think he was uh, yeah, well, in the last spaces. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, I just want to mention that, in fact, he brought up a really interesting point there. I remember, you guys remember, was it a year or two years ago when we had the solid chemistry with Apsi and then the big right kid that went with next MLS Next Pro? Suddenly, they all of them, they departed on that same year, destroying the chemistry of the team. If we keep doing that, selling good, solid players in the middle of the season, we're destroying the chemistry. And I was really upset. And I knew, like, when I when I saw that happen, I sort of, right there, I said to myself, you know what? I think this is it. We're done. Like, we got to keep things consistent. Like, if you look at Forge, look at the way they have a solid chemistry all the way. And I was really upset when the club sold Apsi. And then after he left, then three weeks later, Wright left for next pro MLS with Vancouver. Like, we got to stop doing that. That's the bottom line. That's what I'm trying to get at. Because if we keep doing that, we're never going to build consistency. That's all I'm saying, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I like, I agree that I think it was almost we fell off like a cliff when we got rid of Abzi. I remember the supporters, we had a chant. <laughs> we were, I think we were down like two nil or three, three nil in the game, not looking good. Uh, we were like, we want our Abzi back because we just wanted, uh, that offense, I think, and that he could really hold the ball and move the ball and, and stuff. I think at the end of the year, like when the season's done, you're going to see some people move on. And I mean, like different leagues around the, the world have different seasons. I remember for Abzi, his situation was to join POW. Um, he had to join for their preseason. And they got he got that little extension to be able to play one more league game and then play in the Canadian Championship game. Um, but you make a great point that, you know, who doesn't really do that is Forge. So is it I, like, I always think of it as a point of pride that York I'm trying to think of other teams that have sold players on that have done really well. The one I can think of is cavalry. Yeah. Because, I was about uh, to say. Yeah. Joel Waterman 
uh, has been like really good for Montreal. Has, has uh, had a couple of caps as well for Canada. Um, Akio and Latouri both played in Scotland. I know Akio's come back, but I like that's still very impressive. So Calvary's done really well. Um, I sit there and try to think of Forge kind of selling players that have kind of like maybe moved on. And all I can think of really is just contracts expiring and, you know, guys still going on to good teams. But Forge is that team that gets 18, 19 guys back every season. So if York can be that team, like like you were saying, and and bring back, like I'm just going to very, very quickly. And I realize the, the Kintail contracts thing doesn't include... Um, I, I, I don't really have any info and I'm going to try to look it up for, um, like Bushman Dormand and, uh, Martin Perot, like some of our, our later signings. I think if I'm not mistaken, those guys are signed for all for next year or at least an option. I'm pretty sure though that they're signed for, I think they're on like domestic or like U21 deals. Most of them, I, I'm uh-huh. quite sure that Caden is, I, yeah, I think, I think... More a carryover player. I think Northern Tribune also have like a contract thing. So I'm going to do. We're we're googling it live, folks. But we got a couple hands up. I'm going to turn it over. Um, either one of you go first. <laughs> oh, MLS R writers already spoke, anyways. Like uh, this is a legacy hand. So that's true. Go ahead, name. Yeah, yeah. So for myself, I know I love the hearing the responses to the question. Uh, I loved what all you guys have to say. I hear you guys about continuity, all that kind of stuff. And if anything, if you guys know me from the, the chats on our group chat on Facebook or on Discord, I feel like I'm usually the type of guy that would defend Martin um, throughout the last two years. Because, you know, like we get the jokes, you know, we get Nash out, Marty out, all that kind of stuff, like, you know, time to time, right? And for me, I'm usually kind of like on that, you know, like, uh, let's, you know, let's, let's see what happens uh, type of thing. Hey, he proved himself uh, the second half of last year when we were the best team in the league. So we know he can uh, get results uh, sometimes, right? But um, I don't know. Like, you know, even despite us setting all the records, you know, most points, uh, most wins and all that, I don't know if I saw that big of an improvement for this team from last year to this year. Let's say if you compare our team from last year, the second half of last year to this year, I wouldn't say that we've really improved from that at all. You know what I mean? So I'm not seeing that upward trajectory with Nash that I want to see. And I'm not sure if he's the, he's like really the, the, the motivational or the inspiring type of character that you see that can really like take a club by the scruff of its neck and just kind of bring it upwards. So let's say for CPL, obviously everyone's looking at Patrice Gaysar at Halifax for this season, right? If you look at the Premier League in uh, England, everybody's looking at Ange. Uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name, but obviously a- big Ange at Tottenham. Pasta you, something glue, something. Something like that, right? So you can see when, like, these motivational guys come in and they can transform a club with, like, the same players or even, like, even like worse players than they, 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 than they had last year. So you know there are guys that do exist, uh, even just in League One Ontario, for CPL. If Patrice can come in and do what he did at Halifax and they loved him, like, tactically and all that, I believe there's other guys in League One Ontario that we... Uh, deserve um, to give a chance especially for a club that's playing in the GTA like York United right we can really um, leverage we can really like take advantage of the connections that we have 
uh, two League One Ontario clubs in the GTA if we were to hire one of the local guys. Because, yeah, I don't know if uh, Martin Nash is like giving us some like, extra pull when it comes to signing talents from the GTA or from CPL. I know he gets a lot of caps, guys, and all that. His uh, tactical decisions, you know, like sometimes it baffled me at times. And we've talked about that extensively on this uh, Twitter spaces, right? So even though I've been defending him for the last two years, I'm completely okay with seeing like fresh blood come in for next season. I personally, I mean, I just, I don't understand really. Like I think with Patrice, we're talking about somebody who built something up that was really good at Vaughn and already had that trust built in with players um and i i think patrice just is one of the best coaches to ever come out of ontario i it it would be hard to just kind of pick someone have him recruit a bunch of people from his team and just hope it goes well i think um i, I think it's good to have former players as coaches i think that has brings a bit more trust within the the players that you know he'll he, he he understands them more um and you know he is he is quite vocal with them i think and i, I think there's a trust there so personally i just i just wouldn't change it. it's also like the clubs are some of its parts and york has a lot of great great players that just fit really well into his system so i feel like changing it two years in just wouldn't be the right move Wow, these are like great discussions because I have been probably one of the bigger proponents of like I, I think I'm one of the ones that beats the drum most of like we got rid of Jimmy Brennan too early. Like I thought he really had something going with that team and you know, not everyone always agrees, but like I listen to a lot of his uh podcasts with the other guys on Footy Prime and stuff and just I think how he kind of thinks through the game is really good versus Nash like I think he like I used to coach something that I realized kind of early on is I was not a very good player um refereeing was okay I did that as well and I, I played coach and refereed at the same time um but coaching was for sure my favorite I enjoyed it the most and it was something that I always had to be really involved. Like you really have to be talking to players, talking to players on the bench and stuff. And good friends of mine and coworkers um, in the soccer, like I work uh, like within the League One Ontario world. Something that blows my mind is how many different people that like don't know each other independently kind of told me they're like, "Yeah, that coach really seemed quiet. Like he maybe stood up a couple times, didn't really like." yell at the players and stuff and I, I realize everyone might coach differently but I think there um it might be people that are critical of that and I like I don't know where I feel because we have had a good season and something that I've seen really sink teams is when you're switching coaches and management every few seasons like I'm someone where if you said you had to get like you had to change one of either like the the general manager um or the coach i would say gm and that's not to say like angus out at york united or anything like that we love angus angus right now though he's you know ceo president general manager and all that and we've wondered like would it be cool if there was kind of different role like 
him maybe being um, working at the CPL level, maybe because we know that he's friends with Noonan, or like maybe just staying, you know, being the the boss at York, but maybe like seeing if there's like a GM he wants to bring in. I, and I don't totally know because one thing that I think about is that League One Ontario talent um, working for League One? I was there when uh, Kayvon Ta- Tavernier. Um, scored a hat trick um, for Sigma against Hamilton United. Um, now, when I say hat trick, the third goal was probably it, it. I think it counted as an own goal, but you know, it's one of those where two point five <laughs> goals, and and you know, he created the chance for the own goal. So we'll say hat trick. Um, and Forge scooped him up and and was uh, signed him to one of those like youth contracts. Tavernier if you recognize that name, just made the U-17 Canada World Cup roster. So, you know, I'm, I I don't want to, like, you know, to my own horn, just kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say I'm a scout or anything, but I'm sitting there watching these League One Ontario kids do really awesome, and I kind of wish maybe York would go more in that direction, because as you said, uh, Patrice Geyser and Vaughn, I was working League One Ontario last year, and um, I don't know if in the in the years I've been working for League One, if there was a... This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Nicer and kinder staff than that whole Vaughn squad. You know, what's really funny was an assistant coach on that was Daniel Gogarty, uh, which we may recognize as a former York 9 defender. He was an assistant coach on that Vaughn team. Uh, Patrice is there and stuff. And they were like out of their way kind to just me as like a staff member there. And I really remember that. So when I saw that um, Patrice Geyser got hired by, uh, by Halifax Wanderers as their head coach and was signing a few of those players that he brought in, I think one of them only lasted for a few weeks and then, then left. Uh, I, I, I totally forget the, the name of, uh, I think, Kofi his first name but but uh, a, a player I think was there for maybe a few weeks and then stick around there were three or four though between especially Massimo Farron who I uh, actually met at the KNPL final um, was a uh, like you know that he brought over from League One Ontario so what, what I'm saying in this long winded thing is I would love to see a couple of these uh, kids that are killing it on uh, like Scrosuppi, who did really good in the league this year, um, or the dreaded, you know, Simcoe Rovers. But, like, there's, you know, there's talented players in that league. So is that what we need? Do we need international signings? Again, I'll turn it over to you, Namu. All good points, man. I'm just going to piggyback off what you said. Um, the obvious one first. Um, the obvious one is that, uh, you know, with the new owners that we get, I think we've talked about it for two, three years, that... Uh, you know, Angus is wearing so many hats, you know, like, I have no idea how he does it. So I'd say, like, if we can afford to split up his role into two uh, individuals, so that we have one person who's kind of handling the financial and the business side as a CEO, and another one who's kind of like the general manager, uh, president, who's handling the sporting side, then I think that'd be really ideal for York United, especially when he's, like, working from New York. Uh, I don't know how he's going to be able to scout League of Ontario players and build those connections with the GTA League of Ontario clubs, uh, if our like president slash sporting director is in New York, right? So definitely getting a local guy 
to make those connections and to have like that first dibs on all these guys in our backyard, I think it's going to be so key. So I hope that's like one of the first things that a new owner addresses. You know what I mean? It just kind of tackles all the things that you just asked about, right? Being able to tap all these talents. Because uh, we know Hamilton got Sigma down pat, right? But uh, we know like now Halifax has Vaughn down pat. But then we're going to get the Woodbridge guys. We're going to get the other guys. You know, there's so much talent in the League of Ontario. The only thing, uh, the only thing that's a bit crazy right now, in hindsight, is uh, even before his uh, season-ending injury, you know, you know, we knew Marky was the uh, L10 Young Player of the Year for last year, right? So we had yep. like, huge high hopes for him, uh-huh. but he didn't look as good as uh, we were kind of. I think I don't think most of us were like super impressed by him, super. But hopefully, he comes back stronger for next year. But um, it's kind of crazy that even with Marky's injury, the fact that we struggled with the U21 minutes so much. That's a bit inexcusable for a club playing in the GTA, in my opinion. Yeah. Marky, man, like when I was 19, 20, I was very, very lanky, man. Yo, hit the gym. He's he's tall. If Marky wanted to, like, you know, bulk up kind of thing. Like, if you look at Max, like, I, I couldn't knock Max Ferrari over if I tried. But, like, Marky, I was like, man, like, you know, great guy. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, try to knock him over, but like, I, I feel like it might happen. And unfortunately, like I watch lots of sports. I watch football and like, you know, hand egg football. And there's lots of really great like receivers or running backs sometimes, but they'll be like five foot eight, five foot nine, like my size. And I'm like, I would die in the NFL. Like, I don't know how in between this, but then I see some footballers and I'm like, Oh man, I'm a little bit taller than like, you know, shout out, Jeremy Gagnon Lapere, but I think like I got a couple inches height on him and kind of shocks me and stuff. Um, that you know kind of makes me sound like a douche, so I'm gonna stop right there. Um, <laughs> well, I'm gonna like I think this is awesome stuff. We're gonna move it along because I think we're at the hour mark, but we're gonna go to all positive stuff, all good stuff. Again, not my pessimistic ass over here. We're gonna talk about our favorite players and our favorite moments of the 2023 season. And this is when, you know, anyone that wants to join in as a speaker, we want to hear it. Um, I had some awesome ones. I'm going to give my personal one. I'm going to let you guys talk, and then I'm just going to throw up. um, I made an Instagram post seeing what some people's favorite moments are. So um, favorite players, um, this is a breaking news team of the year thing because we had our very first team of the year uh, player vote for left back and this was my vote when we did our supporters uh, little team of the year thing and you finished third Uh, Paris G is someone that I thought um, absolutely crushed it this year when we signed him in the middle of last year I was very excited for that signing Um, and he's someone I think was very versatile I think he's good uh, like as a offensive um like wing back that can play in either wings and he got some good assists he got that i think it was if i'm not mistaken he either assisted directly a d zero goal where he just bombed it in from center back or it could have been one where he hit it to d rosario and he passed it off to by like i remember just watching a few like older clips throughout the uh this past season and paris g is a player that like i'd say you know, one of my favorites, um, a- another one that like really came on later in the season was just Santos. And he's someone that like was always having fun with it and stuff. And I got a shout out because he's always, you know, the best guy is always there. 
um, like like saying hi to us and stuff and shouting us out. There's actually two guys that fit this, and um, you know Max Ferrari for sure, and another big shout out to Nico Giantsopolis. Always, you know, there for the crew. He even gave one of our supporters like a pair of gloves. Because he had a, you know, some important like tryouts and games going on. So shout out to those guys. I'm gonna say Paris, um, Paris G and uh, Dos Santos and Nico. If I had to pick a top three players that really stood out to me this season, um, unfortunately, uh, the play, you know, that Players Player of the Year award that people vote for, we finished. 18th is our highest. It was Dos Santos who got, uh, I think it was five points or something like that. Um, because I was curious because uh, it shows the top 10 nominations full of Forge, Halifax, Calvary guys. There was Salouf there from Pacific. There was Ollie Bassett um, from Ottawa. And then us and the two VFCs didn't have any. And I was like, I'm curious. And uh, Kevin Dos Santos was the top from eight, no one on York could vote for them, so voted from the other uh, seven teams. Uh, and when it comes to favorite moments, um, we had a couple amazing kind of last last moment wins. I again, favorite moments. I'm going to give quite a few of them, even if uh, there's a a limit to them. I'm going to go over that because that June 9th game, uh, I remember being kind of hanging out with everyone before and seeing a message about players that didn't want to wear the pride thing and not suiting up. And that was like a kind of transcendent moment, like a definitely a, a thing that stepped outside the game is to be like, Oh, what's, what's going on? I remember a Paris St. Germain player did the same thing where he didn't want to wear the pride Jersey. And like that really like, like he, I think he's on Everton now. And I was just like, that, that's not cool. And then a few players on our team, didn't want to do it. So I remember the, the lineup on the ninth had um, like just, it, we still had a very strong starting lineup, but um, that kind of depl- like, so our starting lineup was Nico. We shout them all out and I'll shout them out again for, you know, repping the pride Jersey and I'm sure to some of them, some of them is just like another kit they put on. And I'm sure some people, they were really representing someone that they knew that, that they were proud to wear that Jersey on that day. Um, so Nico was in goal. We had Grant, uh, Roger Thompson, Tass and Ferrari in the back line, uh, Paris G. So Paris G had to play uh, defensive mid. So that was actually the, the last position he played other than all the defensive um positions between left back center back right back he also played um defensive mid that one we had Ricci we had Baia we had Dos Santos and we had Rosario up front but our subs between Petrasso that was a spree I think that was a spree's maybe first time at all in the field and that worked out really well Trevina Spree was one of my like top kind of young guys that we saw that was also Noah Batney's first time on the field uh, for the nine stripes. I think he'd been on the bench before, but not actually played... Or, sorry, I bad name played seven uh, minutes in the season before that moment. Um, and then we had, actually, Camilo Vasconcelos on the bench, uh, which Halifax scooped up. He's a great player from Guelph United. Um, and then a couple of other uh, guys like that on the bench. So, anyway, so the, the Pride game, especially being that was Di Rosario's first goal of the season which is awesome to see. And that was one 
where there's also that Luke Singh own goal. So we won two to one, which is that awesome home win. Thomas mentioned it earlier. That was our five game unbeaten run. Um, that was the unfortunately the last game of the unbeaten run because that game after uh, we introduced a few players and lost zero to one to Pacific. Uh, another moment that was you know there Real live. Quick. Yeah, you know that moment that we said um, before the game started or after the game started uh, finished. We said uh, uh, we showed up in the stands even if they didn't. You know they as in the players, right? So um, it was a moment of us coming together, man. Uh, in the stands, uh, all the guys who were there, like you said, the players that did make it to the pitch, and the uh, the young guys as well stepping up. So everybody kind of stepped up that day uh, when some other people didn't, you know? Yeah, exactly. And again, we are united. I think, like, part, part of it, too, is being like, yeah, you know, you're not playing this game, but, like, at the, you know, end of the season, like, we're still welcoming you back as a teammate and stuff because – you know, we've had all these discussions and stuff being about, like, you know, we don't know what it is to be in a country where, unfortunately, that country is, like, behind the times. And, and uh, whether it be through government policy or law or all that stuff, like, they view things very differently than we do here in Canada. So it was a, a, a thing that we, you know, were the first team in CPL history to have that pride jersey during the game so it brought on a lot of positivity and with that there's going to be the negativity but like we um it was a defining moment of 2023 season no matter what another one guess who it was against it was hosting ottawa again that was sunday october 1st i had just gotten married so that was our like because i missed the game against calvary because of that and that was their um, the day after my little mini honeymoon ended to go see a mostly nil-nil game until late. Kevin Dos Santos, he does a little step over. He nutmegs, I believe, a Espejo, and he bangs it in right in front of the Pyrak, and we went absolutely nuts knowing that we passed Ottawa in the standings if we held on through extra time. I believe that goal is 88th or 89th minute. That was a memorable moment. And even, like, October, maybe it's recency bias. It's probably recency bias. But that uh, October, um, we had a, a very small, like, I'm talking, like, six people at someone's apartment viewing party because that game started at 10.30 p.m. here. Um, but I drove down uh, to hang out with, uh, you know, a few of us around a TV watching us uh celebrate dear zeros not one but two goals in the first half as we beat vancouver it then led to a pretty fun uh wild wild result in the playoffs let's you know let's shout out our playoff game we played you know we played pacific really well then it got to the 93rd minute at an reed with a good goal i did uh when i saw i'm in Salouf at the cpl final i said you know i was it's a pretty good goal. Like, I must admit, like it wasn't a goal that you're too upset about because it was a good touch. You're obviously upset when we lose about it. But then we see that parachute bicycle kick just missing because of the, you know, being a couple feet offside. But, um, you know, those kind of moments and stuff. And I think 2023 was the years of the, the ups and the downs, which you got to love as a footy fan. What are your guys' favorite players and favorite moments? Just to feed off what you just said, man, the, the moments, you know, like uh, 
uh, watching it with the, our friends uh, in the stands or in the stadium or at the pub or at somebody's house. The, the, the games that you just mentioned, the goals that you just mentioned, they were really amazing to watch on the pitch. But that moment, uh, sharing it with uh, you guys was uh, incredible as well. You know, uh, having our uh, own uh, pub again, uh, you know, near YLS as well. But like, you know, we went to another pub in the junction for the playoff game. And that was like a lot of good epic times for sure. Um, the, the game, the home game, the last home game, uh, incredible stuff. Um, I don't remember too much of it. <laughs> uh, another moment that I wanted to add, because, you know, there's a two other moments that I'll add to what you said. Uh, the one that I'm, the one that really I'm sure sticks into a lot of people's mind is the the the, the crazy long distance goal to win uh, the game at Hamilton that Brem scored the Brem Colasso the Brem Screamer. Ooh, yeah, that was a crazy goal, right? And I know some of our guys were at that game as well. And shout out to all the guys who made it. It was like a midweek game, so I couldn't make it to that game. But I'm glad the the guys watched that live. That was a sick moment. And then one other moment uh, that's uh, less of an on-pitch thing, but more of a us-in-the-stands type of, type of thing, was uh, there was a home game against Pacific uh, late in the summer. Uh, we were told, uh, you know, like, uh, there might be, like, you know, potential, like, uh, interested, uh, you know, like, you know, like, you know, we were told to kind of, like, you know, put on a good show. Because, you know, like, people, you know, people are always uh, watching and seeing uh, how York United is, is kind of doing, right? And so we put on a, a good show in the stands, uh, had some, uh, a little bit of, you know, like smoke bombs and all that kind of going on. And it was just really cool to see, you know, those are some of my best memories from this year. Love it. I can't believe I forgot the Bram goal that I also literally saw. And that's, (laughs) it's again, season of moments. We, uh, I, Thankfully, was looking at that one. I always miss goals at Tim Hortons Field. Like, every like it's it's kind of a close stadium to me. So I see, I've seen three or four Forge Calvary games there, and I've missed one goal in each. Just not looking for for me. It was the the Betty Bonga goal. We got the CPL final in a little bit, but um, I thankfully was looking up for that one, and he kicked it. And it, you know, Brent kicked it. Was really far away. But it had a lot of pace on it. Like, you're just like, this ball is going fast. And it starts dipping down. And that's the direction you... That's exactly where you want that ball to go. Like, 99 times out of 100, that ball is going into space. And it's just going way too far. But the ball was going not up. It was going forward. And it starts going down. And we see it just go hit the post. And... Again, speaking of Angus McNabb, like, shout out. He was there with us, and uh, there was a big group hug with uh, with Juan, Kyle, and all of them. Hugging Angus McNabb as they wa- as we all watched this banger. Again, all of the York staff were there as well. Uh, Cody was still there. Uh, Jason, Brittany, everyone that was there. Um, we were like, what did we just see? And again, the stadium is silent you can hear a pin drop and we are being obnoxious and and, you know acting a fool because you know when forge scores they do it to us and they're all looking at us so when that happens they're just like what and running down and you know going to these moments like running down 
at, from the top of 118 to get down to like the uh, where you can do the high fives with all the York players. Like that was awesome. All those guys love that, and you know, it's just so much fun. You know, if any players listen to this, it does mean a lot when you guys, you know, come over for the high fives. You know, we, you know, we're going to be upset if you we lose or draw, but you, like you come hang out with us and stuff, and you put in a good effort. Like so, that's something we always love to see. And um, different teams in the league do different things. I've seen, uh, I've seen my, you know, myself and and other teams throughout the year. You know, want want to see a bit more of our players shouting us out. I know when Ottawa had their road game, the the one we just mentioned with Joe Santos goal. Uh, some of the Ottawa supporters weren't happy when the players went straight into the tunnel, and they're not going to be the happiest when you lose sometimes. But uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, we always love when the players, you know, come shout us out and stuff. Uh, Thomas or Nick or MSR writers, you got any favorite players or favorite moments? We'd love to hear them. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it fast. I think it was, um, I can't stop laughing. The greatest moment, it's just one greatest moment, is when um, this year we knocked out uh, Atlantico Ottawa from the playoff. It was so funny because the reason why I'm saying this, there was so much, um, like, you know, when you were looking at some of the Twitter Post and the Facebook post that some of the Atletico Ottawa fans were putting, like they were just adding a lot of drama. Yeah, this is our moment. We're going to have the spotlight. This is the greatest, like we're making history. And then all of a sudden they lose. <laughs> Massive L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I was laughing for days, man. Anyways, that's what I want to share with all you guys. <laughs> bye bye. See, I love it. See, I'm glad we're not the only ones, too, because if there's one team that spent every month and everyone telling us about how they were God's gift to the CPL, surprisingly, it's not Forge, it's Ottawa. Um, the t- they. Had what was it like seven games, in the, seven games in the last ten or something like that, where they lost in the eighty ninth minute or later with a last minute goal, like including our game. They did to Valor, they did to Calvary, and all the ones. And it was a rough go. Um, the supporters turned on Gonzalez, which I was a bit shocked to see because as I've seen since the re-signing, he got re-signed uh, today for one year. I've seen. 50% of people actually say, you know, quite happy with it. And I've seen 50% of people not think that's what Ottawa needs. Um, now, I'm going to, you know, just speaking real quick on Ottawa. I think losing Balu Tabla was such a huge factor with him because he's, he's a great player. Big time. Big yeah. time. That was a big, big loss. And a left a of- huge void. A lot of people even said Tabla. I, I would so I would be someone that you know nothing against Ali Bassett. I think he's he's pretty good, but I thought Tabla was the MVP over Bassett for their their uh, their Shield winning season last year. So um, I think too when uh, see and there was a little bit of karma there because when Brian Wright signed for us, they were like, "Ha, he sucks. He's not good. Like we don't want you know. Good luck with Brian Wright." And you know they. They weren't wrong. Let's <laughs> be seriously. They had a point there. But then their replacement for Tabla was Sam Salter. 
And if there is one player that I, I don't really want for a full season, like he has his moments, but for like a full season, I don't think it's Sam Salter. Because you notice Halifax got rid of him and Morelli wasn't good, but Halifax could put the ball in the net because they have they have literally every single position on Halifax can score. Their center back can score a Thimic. They're like uh, wing backs can score no problem. They they're uh, strong on like striker with Farron and and everyone that they have. Um, so that kind of team is what York has been in the past. The team, uh, especially twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, even when we had like Zator, Abzi, Ensa, you know that those guys could always be counted on to score. So this season we didn't really see it. At all from our defense, uh, I don't think Tass got no goals. Thompson got one header goal. I don't think Abatney scored. Don't think Max scored. Um, and uh, that's hopefully something. This goes way back to even our roster building discussion, but hopefully we can get like a center back in that you know that can really get those kind of moments and those those distant goals and stuff. So. Um, Nick, you want to go ahead with favorite players, favorite moments? Yeah, I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring here. I think uh, Paris played a really good year. I think the fact that he came over and, you know, either waved or, you know, high-fived pretty much every game, I think that really shows his character, like win, lose, or draw. He's going to stand up and come over to the fans and either say, hey, like, thanks for coming out, sorry we lost, or congratulate with us. I I put that on, like, a high pedestal, like Nico did as well. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think what else can you say other than favorite memory is kicking Ottawa out to the non-playoffs. Like, there's, there's not much more you can say there. <laughs> yeah, that was just, like, it was too good. You know, the team, like, that was one of our best, like, uh, like little photo shoot. If you want to... Um, check out like for example uh chant who has his like photos online and stuff and yeah, definitely check out the october 1st game because it, it goes crazy there's like the sancho celebrations and then we uh popped off the smoke at just the right time so that was great hey uh herbert welcome to shoes off for the blue and green um thank you for being a fan of york united as we all are we'd love to hear if you have any uh memories that, that you really liked from the season or or any York United players, uh, go ahead. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Thank you. Oh, oh thank you so much for the invite. Uh, I, uh, I, well, I would say one of my, hello? Yeah, sorry, you're oh. totally good. Yeah, keep going. Yep. Okay, so I would say one of my favorite moments was, uh, probably the, uh, was probably the, uh, last game of the season. Well, I have a tie for two, like, uh, so, like, I, like, I enjoyed the Pride Night, and I think that that was a great symbolic message for the club, as well as for as well as for the city as, and also the rest of Canada. And also, and also on the football side, my favorite moment was probably our win against our win against Vancouver uh, FC at the la- at the last season, where it was where it was kind of where which made it interest which made it to the point where we made the playoffs and. The and the auto in the match in the Ottawa match did in, in Ottawa's last match didn't matter, and for my favorite <laughs> player, I would definitely say this. I would definitely say uh, 
I think it's Del the Santos. And I think like I think that he had a really he had a really good. I think he made a really like in the last in the last uh, few games of the season. I think that York United York United has been missing a difference maker in which he provided, especially especially in those last few games. And I think that Odiro could be a potential difference maker in that regard. So, but that's those those are my. I would say that was probably my favorite moment in players. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly it. Like what what uh, happened as well. Like not just the the pride kit release only. Like again, that was a, a great game to go to. But they also had they they had the uh, Summers B launch event with the drag show, which. Uh, it was awesome. We had, I guess, some of our supporters there making it out. And then, like, just the donations between the jersey and the, the pride raiser and people doing that. Like, it, it's something that I think is very, very Toronto and stuff. Because it's like, if you live in Toronto or the GTA, it's pretty much, you can be, like, anyone and, you know, anything you like or want to do. is like, You're in the right city for it, is being in Toronto and the GTA. And that's what we want to, like, celebrate and that's something that, like, I'm really proud that, like, York does, too. Like, and um, I think that it's it's uh, it's such a good October. Like, everyone's got that in mind is between beating Ottawa. Because I think going into it, we were like, can we do it? Like, again, me, the forever pessimist, was like, oh, I don't know. Like, we play Ottawa. We have those bad memories of 2022, Ottawa and a bus full of uh, Capital Cities guys came over and watched them beat us 3-0. And that was a bad, bad day. I think we were pretty low on supporters that day, and we are just looking at the crowd and saying, oh, no. So I think I had that a little bit fresh in my mind, and we did beat Ottawa 2-1 um, for the Pride game. But I think when we, like, Ottawa's a team where they've uh, really – gone for draws again oh the it, the game i'm thinking of after two is the three three game where unfortunately it looked like we could have uh hold on to win but like then ottawa like getting those crazy goals and stuff so when we beat them to start october that was amazing but even going to vancouver you know no guarantees vancouver was one of the hottest teams at the end of the year i think they were actually the second highest points in was it the second half of the year or the last three months or something like that so to beat them and see D Rosero to be the one to do it was awesome. Uh, name it. Just to add to what you guys were saying, can I just say that uh, uh, it was so good that we scored so early that last uh, regular season match against uh, Vancouver because yep. the nerves were just like you know like unreal. You know what I mean? Just to make sure we get that three points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, the Ottawa game was already insane enough to begin with, but I'm just so happy that Zero got those girl goals early. And kind of settled our nerves and, uh, you know, got us that playoff spot, man. It was an exciting, exciting game for sure. That was such a fun game. I think the first goal I remember was like 17th minute. Yes, that's right. 17th minute and 27th uh, minute. So, yeah, we got those early on. Cantav, I thought he scored second half, but no, uh, Cantav scored 39th minute. So, it was just a scoreless second half and that was a, a stressful one. But, like, it was fun. Again, it was past midnight here seeing us clinch so i'm sure a few people were asleep and saw when they woke up and, and some of us uh you know hardcore people were like ah who needs sleep 
we got we got York to watch. Um, I think it might have been Red Leaf. I think you're our next guest. If you want to uh, give us uh, just you know what you loved about this 2023 CPL and York United season, welcome to the show. Hey Thomas, how's how's it? It's good, thanks. Jacob, how are you? Well, I guess we're going to be... Uh, I think that uh, York United did actually really well. And and they did really well to uh, actually be in the playoffs. Um, really well in, in the final, final of the season. Great matchup with Atletico Ottawa for something that really embarrassed Atletico Ottawa. And it it was the clinch uh, for York United, and I loved it. I really did love how York United came back from from a uh, from this season, and there's a there's really uh, good potential for uh, for a team to for this. And and um, as noticed. Our podcast uh, is announcing that Thomas Hewitt is going to be in our episode, and also Namui is also going to be in our upcoming episode for our podcast. Ooh, nice! When when is that episode? Uh, did you guys record it yet, or are you guys still going to uh, record it? Or do you know when the release date is? For uh, which which one? Uh, either either we got Thomas on it or Namu on it. Well, day uh, we're, that we're going to be recording, um, we're we're going to be doing a confirmation of of a recording with Namu. I think it would. Be, I think it's uh, November fourteenth. I might be corrected yeah. on this one. Yeah, middle of November, but, uh, you know, I didn't uh, ask the group yet, but uh, if any of you guys want to uh, hop in on the podcast uh, uh, that around that time with um, with Jacob, you guys are more than welcome to. So we'll put an invite to all you guys, okay? Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so mid-November and then probably episode coming out later in November kind of thing. Yeah, it, sounds uh, good. Is, yeah, we want, like any any of, um, of Namu's uh, friends could... Um, could be on the podcast and um, talk about um, how um, the season of York United. And we're going to thank you, yeah. And we're going to cool. be talking and about um, bringing Thomas into our episode about the finals, and we're also going to be talking about the other um, stuff. That's uh, nice, nice. What? No, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't know if you were that. Uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, what the the um, the commissioner said uh, in his press conference about the uh, CPL finals and how the future is going to be like in for York United. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, uh, Richard, you're up next, my friend. Hello, everyone. I have uh, 
three things to re- I like to remember about the season. The first one was, of course, the Ottawa game where we uh, knocked them out of the playoffs. Yeah. The second one was kind of embarrassment over the uh, Pride Night where what six players refused to put the shirt on. So they were, fi- yeah, five, five, of them, the no pride five, uh, that we said that, that didn't want to do, uh, that game. Yeah. Didn't want to put them on for the actual game. That, that was embarrassing. I gotta tell you, ever since that match, there's a, all those guys I just refuse to cheer for during our games. Even Mo, I, I just could not do it. I just felt really kind of disgusted by the whole thing. Uh, one of the highlights was the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps game because there was such a, a energy, a great crowd. Uh, we were uh, we were heckling the, uh, uh, the the manager of Vancouver, and he was so funny. He was interacting with us. I mean, unlike uh, Nash, who never seems to acknowledge fans or anything, uh, it was so much fun that game. And that was actually like what it reminded me of the. You know, the first season when uh, the impact game where it was like, you know, almost a full stadium. And I was like, oh, that's what York could have been. But, uh, you know, it was funny. So during the last couple of matches, I would I would uh, hang around with the most intense fan at the stadium who is a relative of the players. And he would just tell me all the behind the scenes drama going on in the club. And the most interesting thing was once the club was taken over by the league, it basically destroyed the season. The players were in just a emotionally bad place. They didn't know their future, what's going on. Uh, yeah. And that's what really – I mean, if that didn't happen, because it was totally surprised how the owner just walked away after four games. No one knew what was going on. And they really couldn't recover because no matter how bad – Martin Nash was they couldn't fire him because to get another coach to come to this team in this position was just really not worth it. it seemed like Angus near the end was kind of like one foot out the door he is in New York he was kind of a bad hire I mean some of their uh, decisions when it's Angus and Ian when they're talking about their love of football it, it just seems that they don't have a real Toronto I don't know, expertise. I mean, Martin, I think they should have found a more local coach instead of Martin Nash, but that's totally an Angus move. I mean, it is what it is, but I think those were the three interesting things to me about the uh, season and about uh, ever since once the the club was taken over, I think we pretty much were lucky to get into the playoffs the way uh, a lot of the players were just like shot. Why am I here? What's our future? Uh, I don't think they were going to bring in any expensive, uh, uh, you know, players like they did last year to because uh, you could tell the budgets are being cut near the end. They're just trying to get through the end of the season, and uh, I'm really looking forward to when uh, what's going to happen in 30 days if there is a takeover, if there is a new owner. Sometimes the commissioner will say things that really doesn't make sense. I remember at the beginning of the season, he was saying, oh, the GTA, we could put several teams here. I'm like, wait a minute. Your one team has 800 season ticket holders. <laughs> How can you add three more teams or two more teams or one more team? It just it just doesn't make sense. And like people saying, oh, 
you know, there's rumors that oh, York's going to be here next year, but they're going to play in a different stadium. I mean, where are they going to play? It's just these really weird things. And everyone talks about Woodbine. I mean, that just seems so a couple years away. I mean, how are you going to survive the next couple years? So these are big questions. I'm just looking forward to see what happens. And uh, I hopefully we'll hear more from you guys as uh, more news comes out over the next couple months about the future of this club. So I'll leave now. Bye. Can, can I just say uh, that was really great. Uh, so uh, I sat next to Richard uh, for one half of one of the games when uh, I was with my daughter. So we're in the 800 or 900 together, right? And right. like, and I, I think I've seen you on Twitter before as well too. Like, I know you're like a long-term supporter of the club and all that. And I loved uh, what you said uh, about uh, when uh, Green Park walked away. Because, uh, you know, like uh, a lot of the players on the staff in their uh, Instagram uh, at the end of the season, they were talking about all the uh, crazy difficulties that they had this season. Like all the yeah. uh, obstacles that they had to overcome. And you know we kind of figured they're referring to the uh, the the walk away and all that, but would had the way you um, uh, described it just right now is probably the single best uh, um, explanation of the uh, mental uh, turmoil that our players were going through during that time. You know they had no idea if they're gonna get paid or not. I'm assuming stuff like that, right? That's crazy stuff, right? Like it it, it makes you hard to play. Like you're focused on, on your your like your little. You're literally your paycheck, right? So I loved how you described that for us just right now. That was a real good like eye-opener on how difficult the season was and how uh, crazy it is that we even made this the playoffs to begin with. And yeah, what you said about uh, what you said about Martin and Angus, I thought it was spot on, man. So thanks so much for sharing that. No, thank you. Uh, I'm also a writer. Is up? You're up next. Yeah, look, um, with regards to the ownership, what really caught my my eyes is the word that um, Noonan, Mark Noonan, or used, world-class ownership. That, it, it still resonates in my head. And I was actually talking to David Parks. You guys know he's the writer that, uh, the guy that came out with the inside story about League One Canada expansion. I actually had a lengthy conversation with him just the other day. And it was that wording, world class. Are you saying, okay, this is the way how I see it, and as well, David Park. David Parks, that is. Okay, are you insinuating that we're going to have another style of Atletico, uh, Atletico Madrid style of ownership? Could it be uh, liver? I mean, could it be Manchester United? Could it be Bayern Munich? Could it be um, Marseille Olympique? Like, it was that word that caught my eyes. World class. So it's leading, it leads me to believe that it's got to be a European conglomerate that's going to be taking over the club. And I got a theory. I don't know if you guys have time to hear this, but I have a theory. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, this is my, here's my theory. I was speaking to somebody from Vaughn just uh, a couple of days ago, a city um, staffer, and he just informed me that the Italians in the Italian community and Vaughn represent now 35% of the population, 35, 
what are the possibilities that this world class, and again, I'm going to that word that Noonan used, not me, Noonan, world class ownership. What are the possibilities that it could be AC Roma taking over the club, wanting to build this, finally, this idea of building a stadium, a 10,000 seat stadium down by the Vaughn Metropolitan Center? And the reason why I'm saying this is because even the NHL, when it's place a team there and suddenly all of a sudden this NHL rumor too is now starting to circulate in the press so this is that's this is what I'm saying world class could it be AC Roma knowing that 35% of the population of Vaughn is predominantly Italian I don't know guys I, I, I really guys I don't know if I if I sparked the debate here but I'm leaving this now to an open debate thank you guys yeah, I mean, all I know is that we've had some <laughs> fun names tossed around in the group chat about uh, <laughs> potential new names for a club. If there's, you know, uh, I think uh, West York Albion. I think we had a uh, Real York. Um, obviously, we can't do York City, uh, but uh, Red Bull this, North. That have been some good. Yeah, Red Bull Red York. Bull North. Red Bull North York. I think um, Red Red Bull North Toronto would be a, a pretty iconic club for the culture. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so sporting this... sporting club to York. So to properly introduce the, and this will be our final topic for the evening. Thank you, thank you everyone for joining us and chipping in. This has been a great recap episode. We're gonna finish it off on the owners' topic, and the basically the gist of it is on Friday opens up the calendar do 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 the 27th it was the day between the awards and the cpl final so on the 27th mark noonan had a state of the league address where he talked about something like the attendance being really good and you know do we want var and there being some expansion teams and things like that but we heard that York United is set for a new world-class ownership in about 30 days. So that's 25 days from now because already five days have elapsed from that. Um, Because remember that when the um, CPL and and CSB first bought York United, they said this isn't going to be another Edmonton situation, you know, stay calm and all that good stuff. And, you know, a few of us, I will shout out Josh for, always knowing through and through that York United would all be good. On the other, other end of the spectrum, we had people like me saying, like, guys, this is it. It's our last year. But Mark Noonan said pretty much the opposite of what I thought would be true, is that there's a... It looks like... See, it sounds like they're maybe like finalizing things. At the very first moment, I thought they confirmed it and they were announcing it in the next 30 days but now looks more like they found the group and they're just probably uh you know crossing the t's and dotting the i's to make sure everything is good on on what they need to do because you know they're that's that's a great you know potential team is is like roma or you think of like if any team like that in some sort of top tier like European or wherever it is, but like if that's the level that's looking at this Toronto CPL team, like that's pretty huge. Um, I think this fifth year of the CPL has seen the most maybe international attention. Um, I kind of like how the new 
uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup. We'll have us playing against some pretty big teams. Like, if you see the, the Champions, like, layout there, like, to see, um, like, Forge and Cavalry laid out amongst teams, like, there's Inter-Miami's there because they won the League's Cup. And you'll see, I think, Tigres and America um, from the... From the um, Liga Max, and then, like, just all sorts of, like, world-class teams across CONCACAF. Um, I think Surprise is there, which is a a former CONCACAF League foe. So just all these teams um, that, like, from now on, it's not just next year, it is next year on where, you know, next year it's Forge and Calvary, sure, but those two slots, as the league grows and as, as, uh, salaries go up and stuff, hopefully there's going to start being more parity. Something I kind of want to see is like, whenever I see Bobby Smyrniotis to the KNPL or sorry, to sorry, Canon national team rumors, I'm a fan of that. Not just for the whole like Canada thing, but also like, let's, let's mix up the league this year. You know, forge you've won enough. Let's give it to someone else. Um, you know, thought Cavalry had a chance at that final, but it was not to be. But, you know, going back to York, going back to the owners, we have thrown out the most wild groups possible. People have talked about City Football Group, who own so like 13-something teams, including, obviously, Manchester City, New York City FC. We've talked about um, Red Bull Group, um, who have teams in Brazil, uh, Austria, uh, Germany with RB, RB Leipzig. Now, here's something that I thought of, and here's my conspiracy theory. Angus McNabb's in New York City. Both those teams I mentioned, like, sorry, both those groups I mentioned, City Group and Red Bull, have those MLS clubs in there. And Angus himself was at the New York Red Bull playoff game. So, as far-fetched as that is, like, we'll go out. Now, there's, there, like, we, you know, we'd be freaking out. There'd be some people, you know, that probably wouldn't want to support your, like, they'd want to be so local that they wouldn't support that, but you would have other people that would say, wait, Red Bull, Toronto, Red Bull, North, North York, or like Toronto City, um, a couple other groups that have been thrown out there is maybe there's something like a, a group with Project 8, because there's AFC Toronto City, which they're involved with uh, North Toronto, Nitros, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, so, like, would it be with them? The biggest name of them all, and the last one I'll say before turning it over to Namu in a second, was 777, who owned, like, Genoa and Herda Berlin and other teams there. But apparently the latest rumor is they're, they've dropped out and it won't be them. So, Namu, what do you think? Excellent point, Jason, about uh, Angus posting that Instagram story, uh, being at the Red Bull game. Excellent point. I didn't even make that connection, bro. But that is such a good hint. Like, he does not post random Instagram stories. He's always posting about York United only this, York United only that. If he's posting a story from you guys, like, a Red go Bulls through game, his follows to see if he's following any new players. I have, like, to get hints. That's not us. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, another guy. That's uh, another guy on Discord. But I don't do that because I don't care too much about new players or whatever because, you know, we get new players every year. That's whatever, right? But uh, the fact that he posts on an Instagram story from a Red Bulls game to me, I think actually is an incredibly good hit because uh, we've already been um, through the list and, uh, you know, we all, you know, we've been all told by Northern Tribune that 777 is out of the picture. And like uh, Jason said, I was going to say the same thing. New York has 
the Red Bulls and the Citigroup, right? It makes so much natural connection. Like, uh, Angus is such a New York guy. I can totally see, you know, like maybe he was so busy the whole time because uh, maybe he's not making Lee and Terry connections. He's making MLS connections instead. Like, he's already a big MLS guy to begin with, right? So, uh, yeah, for me, like, uh, those are the two groups that I'd be looking at as well. Because like, if Noonan uses the word world-class group, that's a very limited number of groups that we're talking about unless he's uh, bullshitting, right? Uh, if, he's asked, if, he, if he wants to back up his words, then we're talking groups at that level. So even Roma, to me, doesn't even match that level because I know Roma is not part of any group per se. Uh, yeah, the last thing I'll say is that we've been told to look for... Um, one of the big five uh, nations in Europe, you know, the English, England, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, right? But, uh, um, yeah, we've been told that there's a connection to one of those five countries. Uh, I don't know if it's Italy, though. Uh, if it's 777, that could have been Italy, right? Because of Genoa. But, uh, yeah, that's what I got. I just know, in terms of what I know, I know that, like, there there is a deal Um like the agreements made and like the papers have been signed. So I see no reason why there shouldn't be an announcement relatively soon. Whoa! Do, 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 do. Wait, hold on. Where's the air heart? Oh, like... <laughs> there we go. We got the, we got the soundboard finally. <laughs> I forgot I had that. Putting it to good use there. Um, <laughs> and like, I just know it won't be 777 because that, that's just, they've been out of the picture for a while now. Um, I I don't have much to say in terms of what where it's from, but I I don't think it is from within Canada, which I think is a bit disappointing. But remember how Noonan said as well. He said they have fifteen, I think they're called like NDAs that have interest in a club. Yeah, so and, fifteen like cities or groups yeah. that are they're far long enough that they can't do something. And I thought the same thing. What if they'll like so, like Like, my question is, are those guys in it for building up from the bottom? Or have they come in because of interest with York and maybe another group has already confirmed with CPL they're buying it, so all these other ownership groups have to start their own team? That's just some of my thoughts as to what that process was like. Because if you have 15 people that want to buy a club, surely they were maybe brought in by maybe the prospect of, of owning York. But I I have a feeling that Newton probably didn't include the York owners as a part of the 1590s. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exciting to think about, too, because like we always talk about the, like. The biggest cities that are always said are, like, the ones they've, quote-unquote, announced expansion for are, like, Saskatoon, which, unfortunately, the that one group, they lost their exclusivity rights, but if anything, that might bring in the other, I forget everyone's names exactly, but I think people said that might not be the worst thing. We hear Windsor with Clanahan, we hear Kelowna a little bit, um, but 15, like, I'm, again, I... I'm someone that goes quite a ways away to, to get to the games. And um, it'd be exciting just as a fan uh, like of York, if there was like a way to get to Kitchener, Waterloo or London 
um, for like away games because then think of the little triangle that makes with Hamilton, Toronto, and then like one of these maybe southwestern cities and then throw Windsor in there too. Um, again, that's very Ontario centric. And if you're listening out of province, you're like, these assholes want even more Ontario teams. But I think it is a true thing to be able to get away fans in seats and cheering is a thing because I hate to say it, um, myself and some of the other York fans over there at the CPL final, like we're very impressed that all the Cavs fans made it, but there were still like maybe like a few, like a couple dozen and stuff. And again, respect to everyone that made it there, you know, nothing against Calvary and I don't want it to come off that way. I'm just saying that that is thousands of kilometers away and it takes those committed hardcore fans like those guys in the foot soldiers will make the trip there but a lot of casual fans might not make that trip but if these ndas end up being teams in what is it barry london kitchener waterloo like um mississauga or, or east toronto like there's i know maybe scarborough or like durham region um if any of these places get teams i know we'll be like really excited as well but it sounds like york in itself might be uh, its its own asset that teams are excited for. Uh, Nick, I'll pass the mic over to you. Yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to say like on what Thomas was saying, the way that I understood the NDAs with that it was like fifteen. I think it's now up to sixteen um, new locations, which I think is great. Like get the numbers up. But I think the NDAs is probably the smartest move that Noonan's done since being the head of the league because you don't want <laughs> yep. to if what happened with in Saskatchewan and whatever, like they get so far and then it dies. I think the NDAs is one of the best moves he's made so far. That's I, I didn't even like Nick, thank you for putting it that way because I didn't even think about that because I've been on the like yo noon what's up train and then i've really turned to like really liking some of the stuff he's done just between um for anyone else that saw the cpl awards like my jaw was dropped i'm like this is a proper award ceremony it looks so nice like just the production everything's good some people loved it some people didn't the gareth wheeler <laughs> uh trying to be ricky gervais <laughs> and trying to rip on everyone now he did make a hilarious joke against Ottawa. So I respect, you know, ripping on everyone. He didn't mention York once, and we're like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Maybe not the best thing, but at least he didn't make a joke against us. But between that, between the state of the league address, where we're just hearing good things, like the fact that expansion is looking to get to 12 teams by 2026. Now, we've heard that before, that we were supposed to be at 10 teams or 12 teams. Um, but like with Noonan, like he's someone that said, Hey, we're going to have a new cup. We're going to do this thing and is delivered, which we are happy to see that like the, you know, winning the shield to a lot of people, that's the, the, the thing to get like more than the playoffs. Um, I'm someone that, uh, you know, really like, I, I couldn't really find professional football to watch compared to NHL and, and NFL is kind of what I liked a little bit more growing up. And then as soon as kind of Toronto FC came around and I started watching a little bit more uh, English Premier League, which I started watching in the mid-2000s. And um, 
but like having a different like uh, sorry a local team kind of made things totally different which is very awesome to support and to cheer for and um we're gonna have a very very quick segue because i did load a page and i don't want to get too far away from this on the owner thing i did look up the biggest multi-club projects on football it's from 90minutes.com the first one there and they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen clubs is City Football Group, um, all around the world. Then you have the six of Red Bull. Seven Seven Partners is there with their six clubs. So they have Herta Berlin, Genoa, uh, they have uh, clubs in Belgium, they have Red Star, who's in the third tier in France, Melbourne Victory, which I think Maybe Task came from, or like, no, I think Task maybe came from Western Sydney somewhere. And Vasco de Game in Brazil, which is actually a really big club. There's, okay, we're going to shout out a couple that I've never really heard of in case they are, you know, in the game somewhat. There's Pacific Media Group. They have a, um, they have five clubs AS Nazi in France, Eschberg in Denmark, <laughs> KV. Ustand in Belgium, FC Thun in Switzerland, and FC Den Bosch, Netherlands. If you want to hear someone ever mispronounce five team names, you just heard it. But Pacific Media Group is another kind of multi-club owner group. John Texter has stakes in Lyon in France. Botafogo, who are, I think, champions of Brazil or leading Brazil. A club in Belgium and Crystal Palace in England. And another Crystal Palace co-owner is David Blitzer, who also has stakes in Osberg, ADO Den Haag uh, from Netherlands and a club in Belgium as well. So just a few, like I hadn't heard of the last few ones. So whether it's them or whoever it is, we are, you know, super excited for that. I think we're at the like two hour mark now. So I'm going to hand it over to Namu. Keep going. Uh, Jason, Jason, did you just see that uh, Angus had logged on to the spaces right now and that he just left? I think I saw that. I think my, uh, <laughs> um, yo, Angus, if you're back, you'll come. Yeah. So, see, maybe Angus listened to the first part of it, and he's like, yo, what'd you say about me? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Discord. We love you, I Angus. Put on Discord right now, I just said that uh, we were just uh, talking about uh, uh, his uh, Instagram story, right? I mean, he put on the public for everybody to see, right? Mm-hmm. My question was, was because um, I already looked at that briefly. I think it was on the weekend. My question to you guys was, um, I looked up the game from the Red Bulls. They played away in Cincinnati on Sunday, right? So I was wondering, like, did we see that story from him uh, in Cincinnati? Or was that another game that he was at? No, or... it was the wild card game. So I believe they hosted Charlotte. You know, it's funny. I think I have this already open. MLS playoffs bracket. Because did they not win 5-2? Okay, so it was that game that he was at? Um, yeah, because they beat, yeah, they beat Charlotte because there was the wildcard game that would have been Wednesday, October 25th, because, yeah, they, they had a road game afterwards, and that's not the one I saw. It was a crowd, it, it was a Red Bull crowd. It was in their uh, home state. Yeah, it was a Red Bull crowd, right? That's why I thought I was, uh, I, was, I, ch- I couldn't remember, like, you know, like, uh, what I saw, right? You know, you just see these, like, very quickly and they disappear, right? Okay, so he was in, uh, so he might have been at that game, uh, I guess about a week ago then, right? And I guess that could you could you can see how that could really go well with that timeline, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you know Mark Newton had the the press uh, conference uh, where he talked about York United uh, a couple of days after this uh, New York versus Charlotte game, right? 
So, you know, a lot of times these games, you know, like they, you know, they come and watch the game, but obviously they're handling business on the side, right? Like before and after the game, at halftime, et cetera, right? So the timeline, is, it kind of does work. It's pretty plausible, you know? Especially uh, when we just uh, factor in what uh, Thomas just said about the, uh, the paperwork being signed as well. Uh, you know, that could have been signed in Toronto or it could have been signed in New York. You know, you never know, right? So... Yeah. Oh, and I see Angus is back on the uh, in the spaces right now. Uh, Angus, yeah, we're just talking about. Uh, were you at the the New York Red Bulls games uh, last week, any chance? We got a also we got we got a quick message uh, from Nick as well. A shout out is uh, he also mentioned uh, the Cron- like Stan Kroenke's group. Um, yeah, hi Angus. Uh, we're we're doing the wild owner speculation because we are very excited to hopefully the next thirty days hear something. Um, so Nick shouted out the uh, Stan Kroenke. So I know this very well because I'm a Gooner fan. Um, Stan owns uh, basically all of the Colorado teams from the Big Four leagues, as well as like MLS. I think the Avalanche, the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Rapids, and Arsenal. And the Los Angeles Rams. Now, what do the LA Rams, the Denver Nuggets, and the Colorado Avalanche have in common is they're all celebrating their recent championships. So um, I think that, like, you know, that, that might have moved up my power rankings, you know, pretty high. He's uh, the... He is married, I think, to the heir or the current, maybe, person of Walmart. Um Mrs. Walton. So, like, I literally was there today and put $30 towards the Waltons that will hopefully go towards our new ownership if all is good. I think our show is now at two hours. I think Angus <laughs> has departed once again because we have probably spoiled that it is the Cronkies. So, Nick has dropped that <laughs> our new owners and stuff. We'll give it to you. The mic to you, MSLR writers. We're going to have some final thoughts soon. Go ahead. Yep, guys. You know what? I've been doing some thinking, too, about some of these um, 16 owners that are coming on board. Some of you guys are forgetting that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are now coming into the scene. And I'm, I got my theory here. Okay, now that Al Simpson, you guys remember Al Simpson from Living Sky Sports and Entertainment. Because of that lawsuit that he got himself involved with as a result of the um, of the the former partner, the Regina Exhibition Association Limited. That's a very important name that you guys uh, should make note of. Going back in 2021, they suddenly decided that, in fact, if you guys don't know who is the Regina Exhibition Association Limited, they actually happen to be the conglomerate that owns Mosaic Stadium in conjunction with the Rough Riders. Now, the Rough Riders is a community-based um, CFL team, but who owns the stadium is the Regina Exhibition Association Limited. They operate the stadium. They're, they're most basically the marketing wing of the stadium. Two years ago, they have actually set up a friendly exhibition at Mosaic Stadium and I can't remember the two teams that they invited. I think it was uh, Sutherland uh, under 21 and TFC under 21. 
But now that Al Simpson. Yo, I think your mic might have cut out at Al Simpson. Thank you. guys okay thank you everyone um so we we've had a pretty long show it's been pretty good so one thing that we're gonna do is because we are you know waiting on the news of new owners this was originally going to be the last episode of the season but we're for sure gonna have one more so as soon as we get more news in the world about new ownership we are gonna be coming back with another episode or eighth of the season Um, so we're going to kind of wrap things up here, just if anyone has any final thoughts, but make sure to join us in the future for episode eight, where we'll go over kind of what we do end up hearing about ownership as well. Um, we'll do a quick recap on the season as a whole and the CPL finals from a neutral perspective. So just something to look forward to, but, uh, do any of our speakers have any very last thoughts before we wrap up our 2023 York United season recap. Any other players you want to shout out? Any other things that will stick to you with this season? And any other hopes for 2024? We'll start with Nick. Yeah, I just uh, I want to give a shout out to you guys as well for uh, running this all season and keeping this alive. I think this has been a fun way to talk to Angus and kind of spread the word about what we're doing and what the te- how the team's doing. Um, so I just want to give a big thanks to you guys for doing all your hard work, Thomas, for the inside scoops with your uh, with your work as well. We appreciate that. But I just also want to shout out Clement Baia. I'm surprised he didn't get a lot of player of the year, but that's pretty much me, I guess. Uh, thanks, guys, for letting me talk. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate that. We. Uh... You know, we we live in a very kind of unique sphere here, cheering for the, like, one of the smaller teams in, like, a smaller sport. And I don't, like, say that internationally. It's the biggest sport, obviously. But, you know, growing up, it's easy to fall into, like, trying to, you know, if you grow up watching TSN, for example, you're like, oh, like, hockey or football or baseball or basketball is a thing. But, you know, as soon as me and other people kind of fell into the magic that footy is like we realized it's kind of a niche thing. So we appreciate all of you joining in and being part of this kind of team here. Uh, Red leaf will give you the mic to kind of uh, send us out here. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to give a shout out to, all the fans for York United and and how even and even the even to all the players and even everyone who is joining in even Namuf and and Thomas who is in this um conversation 
glad to glad to see them soon as soon in the in the podcast um so if um if namu is and yeah namu's um um episode he could um he could actually he could bring he could um find some um some uh, fans that are interested in being part of the episode. All right, all right. Okay, awesome. So, thank you all. Nami, you got anything to send us off with? Uh, really good season. Like, just a fun season with all you guys uh, in the stands, uh, watching from TV, and in, in the Twitter spaces as well. Like, we um, just love hearing from all you guys, all the different, like, fantastic, great opinions about your United. Like, you know, we got the most dedicated uh, supporters in Toronto uh, who, you know, like, who really get, like, you know, like, the guys who, like, delve even further nitty-gritty than into TFC and get into your United. You guys are, like, truly, like, the most uh, dedicated supporters. Uh, so always great to, like, hear every single one of your guys' opinions. Um, based on, you know, everything we talked about, I feel like, you know, if I had to, had to put money on it, I feel like we're going to be welcoming the first episode um, next month for the uh, Red Bull Toronto podcast or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm going to put my money on, all right? Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Again, uh, not sure exactly when it's going to be. And, you know, we're promising you next episode. If our next episode is, hey, it's been 30 days and we haven't heard anything, hopefully not. But we'll still come back to you for episode 8 to finish off 2023. Because, yeah, we just love talking about Canadian football and all that stuff. Um, The one thing, usually I shout out our next game. Obviously, our season is over. But if you want to support Canadian football, the best way that I can think of that is if you're free, if you're in Toronto, and if you're free on Tuesday, November 21st, Many of us, including myself, including a few of us that we're hosting or listening in tonight, are going to be at the Canada game. We are going to hopefully, and I mean hopefully, I mean, like we're going to do it because, <laughs> okay, so how the, uh, I'm, I'm talking Cope America, how the qualification for Cope America works is it is going to be the top six teams uh, from from Concacaf, so the semifinal semifinalists from from that are going to be in, um, like no matter what, um, and then the again this is a a live googling and do it because I on my mind the entire time I'm like we're playing Trinidad and Tobago but we got matched up against Jamaica. With the first leg in Jamaica. There it is. First leg is going to be on November 17th. So November 17th, we're playing in Jamaica. But if you're free, Tuesday, November 21st, and you can make it to BMO Field, we'd love to have you there as we cheer on Canada. And if we beat Jamaica, that means we're in the Copa America 2024, hosted in the United States. And if we lose that game, then we still have that playoff to hopefully make it there. So that's really the local Canadian footy that we have. Um, Stay tuned to League One news as League One BC announced that they're going to be going through a bit of expansion. 
and League Two Ontario. Not a typo. League Two, which is the third division of Ontario semi-pro football, is going to be announcing more teams. The first one we have right now is Sudbury Chill, and I think they announced the Dutch Connections uh, FC was also for League Two, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to see all of that grow. If you have sat here and listened for two hours about Canadian football, I appreciate you for listening. And with that, we will end it with a come on, you nine stripes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later in the month when we're owned by Red Bull North York. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> come on, you nine stripes. This Red Bull is delicious. <laughs>